Well, good morning, everyone. <clears throat> They're a bit friendlier over this side. Should we try that again? Good morning, everyone. <laughs> That's better. Um, yeah, very uh, excited about driving to Krakow and uh, meeting my new friends again and spending time with them. Uh, and you, we are a part of this. This is not just me going off and doing my own thing. Actually, we're a family of churches uh, together, and it's a real pleasure to just do this sort of kind of mission-like activity. And I think God just loves our hearts for that. I really thank you for your donations. Um, uh, by the way, winner of the competition, I would say Rihanna's group came quite close because she's been very, very helpful over these last few weeks. She yeah. organises the stuff that gets brought in, helps me load the van and stuff. So I think Rihanna should get one of those box of chocolates, wow. to be honest. <laughs> I think that would be fair. <laughs> And to be honest, I can't speak for the other group, so uh, you lost. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's very exciting. Uh, so, yeah, do pray for us uh, and uh, remember us in your prayers this week. Um, we're kind of recovering as well. There was a wedding here yesterday. It was a really great joy to celebrate the, the wedding of Harry and Sarah. The church was packed yesterday. It was just really great to worship God um, uh, in this wedding and just had so many people uh, just say what a great place this is. This is a great place to be, Hope Church. Um, I'm really glad you're here and I'm really glad we are. We can be family together. And people really sensed that when they came in yesterday. This is a special place. God's hand is on it and we're excited for all that he has uh, for us. Um, I think I've got to that age though now where I'm less enjoying the moment and I'm more, because I led part of the service yesterday, I was more worrying about am I sweating so much it's going to come through my suit jacket? But fortunately it didn't, um, so I was quite pleased about that. Uh, but it was just so good to see this young couple with their lives ahead of them um, and uh, on a journey with God together. Um, and it just got me thinking about really what is our hope for the future? What do you hope for for the future. It's often said what you believe or what you hope for the future affects your behaviour now. So I'll just share some of my hopes and desires. Some superficial ones really. I, I, I hope my football team stay up in the Premier League this season. <laughs> That's not really affecting my behaviour. Um, although I am, I've been a little anxious at times but um, I am uh, hopeful and looking forward to a holiday in the summer that has been postponed since 2020. Yeah. That's affecting my behaviour now, how I spend my money, how I'm saving for that as well. Um, on a slightly less superficial level, I have great hopes for my children. I have three children, they are seven, nearly ten and twelve. I, I really hope that they will know Jesus. That's my main hope. And, and prayer for them above everything else is that they know and love Jesus. I also pray for my girls that they will meet a godly man one day and they will marry and he will love Jesus more than they love their, them but will love them and care for them. And my son will meet a godly woman. That's what I'm praying for. And how I, my hope for them for the future is affecting my behaviour towards them now. So I buy them Bibles. I read them Bible stories. I pray for them. We try and teach stuff into them. We correct them when we have to. And sometimes they have to do things which isn't in sync with the rest of their friendship circles. And it makes them uncool and unpopular. But I'm thinking about the longer term, bigger picture. My hope and desire is for 
many, many, many people to come to know Jesus. And that affects how I behave now. So when I get into a conversation with two guys that I'm going to crack up with that don't know Jesus, I'm going to be purposeful with my conversations. I'm purposeful with conversations with those that don't know Jesus. I believe that the church will be glorious, that there will be revival in our time. And I'm trying to, uh, that changes how I behave. I give my life to the church. I don't just put my name on rotors, I give to serve the king. When I'm here, I'm serving the king. But so my hope for the future is because I know, I'm, I know that I'm moving towards eternity and that this life is just passing by in a moment. And this week, we are back in Revelation. We are in the origin series where we've been looking at who we are, who we're meant to be, and where we're going. And we've been looking at Revelation to awaken us to the battle that we are in, to be aware of the spiritual realities that surround us all the time. And it's time, it, it helps us review these present times in light of the final outcome. As we look at this book, this is what it's here to help us do. To look at the difficulties surrounding us and know that the battle has already been won. We should also remember when reading Revelation, this was written at a time when Christians were being murdered by Roman emperors, facing terrible persecution. So the temptation was to deny Jesus, to either avoid persecution or simply just join the spirit of the Roman age. We should also remember as we try to grapple with the imagery and the strangeness of this book, what it says at the beginning, and uh, Andre said it earlier, that those who read this book will be blessed. And those who hear this book will be blessed. <clears throat> we heard from Adam last week about the throne room and worship in chapter 4 and 5, seeing every tribe and tongue in the throne room. The redeemed people of God, formed from every tribe and tongue and nation, a kingdom of priests, reigning in life, cleansed by, redeemed by, delivered by, overcome and fellowshipping with one another through and in and by the blood of Jesus. It cleanses us from all sin. It's echoing of 1 Peter 2, 9-10, where we are chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. The Old Testament points towards the coming of Jesus' mission to save the world that is under the curse of sin. The fall in Genesis, which we looked at right in the beginning of this origin series, meant the whole of creation is affected. The fall affects everything. Earthquakes, tsunamis, famine, viruses, plagues. And the big story is that Jesus not only came to redeem us from our sins, but to redeem the whole of creation. And that we should be driven to our knees in prayer as we see the intercession of the church. And it rises like incense that moves the heart of God. There is no greater joy than seeing a lost soul come to Christ. We've had that joy in recent weeks. People speaking of being without hope and then knowing hope. This is what Jesus does. He plucks people out of darkness, brings them into his glorious light. 
for all eternity. And we're, we're taking a bit of a leap today. Last week, we were in chapter 5. This week, we're moving to the end of Revelation. <clears throat> Over the next two weeks, we're looking at what is going to happen at the end time. What will happen when Jesus comes back again. Now, you might be disappointed. You might be thinking, well, I want to know. Uh, some of you more theological types might want to know, well, is the church post-millennials, pre-millennials, a-millennials? Well, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> because actually, we can differ on that, and that's okay. But what we're looking at today, and don't be disappointed about what does all this imagery mean? What about all the sevens? There's lots of sevens. What we're looking at today is another unveiling. The whole of the book is about a revealing, an unveiling, an apocalypse, like a, a looking through the curtain. It's a kind of ta-da moment. This is what it is. Revelation is constantly revealing who Jesus is. And what we're looking at today is a different type of unveiling. It's the unveiling of all evil. So it's a light topic for a Sunday morning. Strap yourselves in. Now, you don't have to have lived for very long to know that evil exists in the world and is everywhere. I have been so aware of it in recent weeks. But evil is often hidden. It's in the dark. When is most crime committed? At night. CD strip clubs, brothels are often in darkened roads with low lighting, so I'm told. <laughs> Domestic abuse happens behind closed doors. So ready yourself for this today. Ready for this. And if you're new to church today, um, we don't often speak about this. <clears throat> it's not like this every week. Come again next week, it will be much more cheerful. Actually, no, this is going to end with hope. It's not all fire and brimstone today. I feel like I should speak in a strong Irish accent when I'm doing that. But <clears throat> some of what we look at is related today to the church at the time. When this scarlet beast rampages through Jerusalem. That happens in AD 70 with the sacking of the city. The temple was brought to the ground. What, a lot of what is written is specific to the first century church, but it also applies to the same patterns and structures of evil throughout the ages that affect the church. So, it applies to us now. How, <clears throat> how the devil is always trying to seduce the church and lead people away from Christ. We will see evil unmasked and what it's really like. What is going on in this often hidden world? So between chapters 5 and 17, what we're reading today in 18 and 19, there's been the beginning of judgment on earth. We've seen seven seals being opened. Seals, not animal seals, okay? Just, oh, there's weirdness in there, but seven scrolls. Seven trumpets being blown, seven bowls being poured out, plagues happening, a book being opened, and then books, plural, confirming that your name is written in the book. The book with a catchy title, the book of the life of the Lamb who was slain. <clears throat> it's, we're reading about this, 
separating of wicked and godless people and the saints. Revelation tells us, uh, in Revelation 21 tells us that nothing unclean can enter into the city of God. What, what I'm doing today is giving a brief summary of like 12 chapters. Okay. <clears throat> so if there's some things I don't cover, you know, give me a break. Um, I would encourage you though to study this on your own. Buy the book in the bookstore uh, book uh, by Tim Chester. Uh, on Revelation. Revelation for you, there are 10 copies left. So get yourself there at the end to, to grapple with what's going on. Buy the book, grapple with it with your friends and in your connect groups. <clears throat> and all that happens between chapter 5 and 17, what we're reading is the beginning of the end of what God will do. With each, <coughs> excuse me, with each seal, it kind of represents different events that happen. Warfare, economic collapse. There's this pale rider who's this kind of sickly colour that represents disease and death. The fifth seal reveals the souls of the martyrs who have died throughout history for their faith. The sixth seal is earthquakes and natural, natural disasters. And then there's this time between the sixth seal and the seventh seal... It speaks about God's people being sealed and protected. It mentions the grouping of 144,000. Now that's not, a, again, a literal number like the Jehovah's Witnesses would believe. There's 24 elders representing, I believe, the 12 tribes and 12 apostles. The joining together of the true people of God It's not Israel and the church. It's every believer coming together, the true Israel, the bride of Christ. Even Paul said that not everybody was true Israel. So it's not just to do with descendancy, it's to do with the heart. Coming together, like it says in Ephesians 2.14, as one new man. So there's this incredible scene when there's silence in heaven for half an hour when the seventh seal is opened. And then a trumpet blasts. And all of this happens, and then we get to chapter 17. There we go, we're all, all in the know now, aren't we? Um, <clears throat> and we're going to start by reading Revelation 17, 1 to 6. Can I just encourage you, if you have one of these things, it's called a physical Bible, keep it open at it to help you uh, uh, get the references that I'm going to uh, reference. Um, and we're just going to go from one to, I might go into seven as well. Um, so chapter 17, verses one to probably seven. <clears throat> then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and said to me, come, I will show you the judgment of the great prostitute who is seated on many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed sexual immorality and with the wine of whose sexual immorality and the dwellers on earth have become drunk. And he carried me away in the spirit into a wilderness. And I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was full of blasphemous names. And it had seven heads and ten horns. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and jewels and pearls. Holding in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the impurities of her sexual immorality. And on her forehead was written a name of mystery. 
Babylon the Great, mother of prostitutes and of earth's abominations. And I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I marveled greatly. But the angel said to me, why do you marvel? Well, I don't know how your quiet time was this morning, but I don't know if it matches up to John's. Um, As I said already, evil is always hiding. It happens in the shadows. But in these chapters, in 17 and 18, there's an unmasking of it. An unveiling of what is really going on. It can often be disguised as other things as well, evil in the world today. Racism can be disguised as something else. It can be disguised as looking after women's health when babies are aborted. But we, we try to avoid that and step back from that and don't want to call things evil or what the Bible calls evil. We might say, oh, that's not what I would do, but I don't want to call it evil. But the actual loving thing to try and do is expose the evil and then people can see it for what it is and give them a chance to repent. I remember when I first became a Christian and there were things in my life that I thought was normal. I hung around in a big group of friends and we all did the same thing. And I thought that was normal, but actually held up against the plumb line of scripture, it was evil. And we can't expect people to live up to the law of God outside of Christianity. But I'm often surprised when people get really upset when when the world is doing silly things and and terrible things. And of course they will, they're outside of God. 17 and 18, chapter 17 and 18 are highlighting though evil. They unmask it so we can see it for what it is. John is calling the great city of Rome evil. It claimed to be a great light, the city of Rome. But he's saying it isn't. He references the seven hills which surround Rome. That's what the seven hills are. The prophets of the Old Testament often describe Israel about how they would prostitute themselves with pagan deities in Jeremiah 2 and chapter 3 and Ezekiel 23. What John is doing is showing this lewd horridness to unmask evil. He talks in verse 5 of Babylon, the great mother of all prostitutes. This is light reading, isn't it? Babylon normally represents evil in the world, in the Bible. And the Bible, can, I've read in a few places, is described as a tale of two cities, of Babylon and Jerusalem. Babylon is any system that is hostile to God. And there's judgment coming, described in chapter 17. And it doesn't mean that everyone in Rome or Jerusalem will suffer, that it's more the spiritual realities that were behind these cities, strongholds or demonic activities. John is highlighting, though, evil that was happening in Rome and Israel in the first century who were persecuting Christians. He's turning the light on. Now, this may surprise you, but I've been to a lot of nightclubs and a lot of all-night raves. When I was a lot younger, of course, not in my mid-40s. That's just sad. Um, If you were there right to the very end, 
the lights would come on, or daylight would come. And it was quite unpleasant. The lights would expose what was happening in the dark. And you would see stuff you wouldn't want to see. And people would see you, and most people who had been out all night looked terrible. But there was a reality going on to the lights being switched on. Darkness is going. It's like when um, a great injustice is filmed on people's phones these days and posted online. It exposes people to who they really are, or organisations to who they really are. I think we all remember from a couple of years ago that George Floyd death where he's saying, I can't breathe, and the policeman's knee is on his neck. That's not to say all police are bad. This particular policeman was. Evil was unmasked. And evil unmasked on its own, though, is not enough. It's not, it's not enough to just point and say, yep, yeah, that's bad. The purpose of unveiling evil is so it can be judged. And that's what we see when Jesus returns. And we're seeing here, we see great injustice. We see perpetrators getting away with it. What do we want? We want to see justice. We want those who have committed the crimes to be rightly punished. So we don't just say, this is what happened and this is who did it. What we need is punishment and justice upon the evildoers. It's not enough that they're just exposed. So all the terrible things that happen around us today, dictators, abusers, slave traders, will be judged. And what we see in chapter 17 is an exposing of it, and chapter 18 judges it. The powers of this world, corrupt officials, moguls, abusers, whoever they are, they will face the judgment of God in the end. I'll remember to move the slide on. In Revelation 18, 1 to 2, it says, After this I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was made bright with his glory. And he called out in a mighty voice, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a dwelling place for demons, a haunt for every unclean spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, and a haunt for every unclean and detestable beast. Fallen, fallen, the great city of Babylon. Remember, this represents evil. Babylon is getting her comeuppance. It shows as well in, in these verses, evil turning upon one another. Evil power turning upon evil power. It's like, you know, you see those films at the end and the baddies kind of turn upon one another. This is evil upon evil. But what is happening ultimately is God's judgment. By this means, where evil turns upon evil. It feels like sometimes the world is turning on itself at the moment. I know I feel like that when I watch the news sometimes, or read some of the decisions being made. Um, we see in chapter 17, uh, 14, the conflict between the two kingdoms of Babylon and the harlot waging, waging war against the Lamb. However, we are given the outcome. The Lamb will overcome, for he is the Lord of lords and the King of kings. And those who are with him are called chosen and faithful. If you're in Christ this morning, you are chosen and faithful. So there is great encouragement here for the church. But there is also a warning. All evil will be judged and no one gets away with it. 
Revelation 18.20 says, Rejoice over her, O heaven, and you saints and apostles and prophets, for God has given judgment for you against her. This is good news. But it's also a warning that evil is judged and no one gets away with it. And we need to be careful as believers that we don't get sucked into and participate in evil ourselves. We have to be careful. Like Paul says in 1 Timothy 4, 16, Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere and your hearers. So we're not to be corrupted by the Babylon around us. We're not neutral in this either. No one is neutral. You are either a citizen of Babylon or a citizen of Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem. It's not okay to think that you are one of God's people and think that you can just carry on. Get away with continual unrepentant sin. Whether it's fraud, domestic violence, coercive control, gossip, sexual sin, even comfort and opulence is warned against in Revelation. So, but if you are a repentant person that has truly turned from your sin, you are covered by the blood of Jesus. The sacrificial lamb of God has paid the price. If you've given your life to Jesus, you are a justified person then this is not for you to worry about. If, however, you say you believe, but you carry on doing all the things you did, there is no kind of regeneration in the heart. You just keep living life. There's a saying uh, I've heard a lot uh, in recent years of my body, my choice. That's what you hear a lot these days. No, it isn't because God has made you for himself. And if that's you, then you need to consider this. And are you following God's will for your life and how you should be living? John says in uh, chapter 18, he's, he's pleading with the people, he said, come out of her, my people, lest you take part in her sins, lest you share in her plagues, for her sins are heaped high as the heavens, and God has remembered her iniquities. <clears throat> God is pleading for you to come out of any unrepentant sin. Anything you may not have dealt with. This is something I've had to deal with again and again and again in my life. So I'm not standing here speaking to you as this holier-than-thou person. I've had to deal with lots of unrepentant sin in my life. I told you I went to a lot of nightclubs. There was a lot of, lot of repenting needed to be done. And also, if you are new here, and you're wondering what all this is about, so you know, I, we're not crazy. We don't actually believe that there's going to be some high-end prostitute riding around on some dragon-like beast. Okay? This is imagery. Imagery that represents something. And what's behind it. And this is about the seductive state that wants to remove or distract our affections for Jesus. That wants, to draw, that wants to draw us into some sort of secular age that elevates itself and ignores and doesn't submit to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So, Revelation doesn't only unmask evil, it doesn't just judge evil, it, Revelation also shows evil being removed. You better 
you might be better reading your Bibles because that's quite difficult to read. Um, 18, chapter 18, 21 to 23. Then a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, So will Babylon, the great city, be thrown down with violence and will be found no more. And the sounds of harpists and musicians of flute players and trumpeters will be heard no more. And a craftsman of any craft will be found in you no more. And the sound of the mill will be heard in you no more. And the light of a, of a lamp will shine in you no more. And the voice of a bridegroom and bride will be heard in you no more. And for your merchants were the great ones of the earth, and all the nations were deceived by your sorcery. There's six no mores here. And they parallel what happens in chapter 21 of the no mores, where, where in the new creation, evil Babylon is destroyed and there is no more evil, no more suffering, no more injustice. We'll see no more tears or pain. Because the old order has passed away. Remember, God's agenda is to get hell out of earth. I came across this slide this week. I've been reading and listening to a lot of Andrew Wilson, uh, who's at King's Church in London, very helpfully went through this um, diagram. See, what we see here is that... Uh, the, the story is we don't think we leave earth and go to either heaven or hell, but heaven comes down and dispels hell from earth. The kingdom has come and will finally and fully come when Jesus returns. Heaven and hell are at work in the world now. I'm sure we can all see that. There's goodness and there's evil. But the kingdom is going to come. Heaven is going to come down. We're not just going to be floating around on a cloud, playing a harp. That's not going to happen. His agenda is to rid earth of hell and fill it with heaven. This is where Revelation finishes, with the removal of hell, throwing it out so it will never blight God's wonderful creation again. So at a global and civic level, evil will be removed. New cities will be formed. It also works on a personal level because God's agenda is to get the hell out of me. So there is only heaven left. And this is beautiful. This should refresh our soul because it makes me not worry about where my destiny is. We get to stand in the truth that I am covered by the blood of Jesus and I rejoice in the fact that God will remove all symptoms of hell and sin and wickedness from my life. So it's not just the world and it, it is all thrown out of my life. I mean, heaven is left. That's what we get to look forward to. And we as disciples of Jesus are those who should live with the anticipation of the reality of this judgment. So when we are complicit in evil, when we, we should repent when we partner with Babylon. So we rejoice evil being unmasked and judged and removed. Live in the awareness of the evil that is so tempting. Even John was tempted 
uh, by the great prostitute. He said in 17 verse 6, he marveled greatly. He was pulled in for a moment until the angel came in and called him out. And we should live in this awareness, but also marvel of the free gift of grace that showers us abundantly that comes from the cross of Christ, that washes away all of our sin and evil away. This is what the Lord's Prayer is about. We're praying for his kingdom to come, for his will to be done, to forgive us for our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us from temptation. If you're struggling with sin right now, I speak from personal experience, saying those words actually helps. Lord, lead me from temptation. Deliver me from evil. We should avoid the lies of today to live your best life. Don't you hear that a lot? He's living his best life. They're living their best life. It's a lie. We mustn't bow to the Babylon of today, to passing pleasures, to riches that we think will bring comfort and safety. We're not built for that. We're not... Here to just face passing pleasures. The prostitute, the harlot, likes to lie and to tempt us. There's so many desires and uh, there's so many sexual and worldly temptations available to, to everyone. But they cannot promise life and they cannot promise eternity and they will always disappoint and always leave you wanting more. Fight the good fight of faith. Persevere with Jesus. We wanted to go through Revelation because this should awaken us to the realities that we're in. The church, the persecuted church, don't face this because they're so aware of it. But we're in the West and we are just slip into this kind of demonic lullaby that just likes to lull us to sleep. Shh, don't, don't, don't worry about that. No, don't, don't get too excited about that. Don't, don't worry about the church too much. But we're in a spiritual war and it's going on for your soul right now. And we as elders want to help you and the church become the disciples that we see in the New Testament that isn't living for now but for eternity. To remind you that this isn't all there is and that you will stand before the judge one day You've been invited in, by the way. You've been invited into the marriage supper of the Lamb. Yeah. Be encouraged. Be encouraged that the end time church will be the most glorious and the most powerful church in history. That you are being sanctified right now through the word, through the blood of Jesus, through the work of the Holy Spirit. Rejoice that you are in Christ and we are heading towards this moment that Adam's going to go through next week. It's going to exegete every verse from chapter 20 to 22. So it's going to be a great morning together. <laughs> There's a lot to get through, actually. There's only so much we can cover. That's why we want you to do the study. You need to feed yourself. Okay? You can't just come on a Sunday and hope that will be enough to get you through the week. You need to pray. You need to study this word. You've been invited in. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. Jesus is going to come back. 
we're invited into this that we see in Revelation 19. There we go. From verse 6. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. You will be in fine linen, bright and pure as the bride. And the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are true words of God. Then I fell down at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, you must not do that, for I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers and hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And then this moment is coming. This is where we're all headed towards. Then I saw heaven open and behold a white horse, the one <clears throat> sitting on it is called faithful and true. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire and on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe, dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. And from his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. And on his, but, and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. This is where it's going. This is the moment all of history and creation is headed for. What might you be doing? Don't live your life just for now. We're going to be there forever and ever. Don't make short-term decisions that just affect the now. Don't parent just for now. Put eternity in the hearts of our children. Live like your neighbours, your friends, your family are heading towards this. They're going to stand before the judge one day. Where will they be? Where will they be when this white rider returns? Let this stir us up this morning. Let, that, let this awaken us to the realities. And let us have a, a greater, bigger picture of who God is. And of who the church is. It's this beautiful bride that he's coming back for. I'll give my life to this because this is the one thing that's going to remain. This is the one thing he's coming back for. Why don't we stand? And let's pray. I promise Adam will be much uh, happier next week as we look at the new heaven and the new creation. Let's just bow our heads for a moment. Lord, help us. Help us reach as many as we can before this happens. Help us live, Lord, with eternity in our hearts. Help us not cling too tightly to the things of this world. Oh God, will you stir us up 
my family, my brothers and sisters here today. Will you stir us up together, Lord, to know that we are destined for eternity with the white rider, with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Lord, I pray there will be no condemnation here today of just thinking, well, I don't know what's going to happen to me. If we're in Christ, we know that we are destined, we are set, we are certain for you. But Lord, if there's any unrepentant sin in us, Lord, will you help us? Help us turn to you. Help us keep short accounts with you, Lord. Help us be accountable with others. Oh God, stir our hearts, Lord. There's, we're surrounded by thousands and thousands of people that are going to face the judge one day. Lord, stir our hearts to reach the lost. Stir our hearts to reach those that are in Babylon. Oh God. We pray, Holy Spirit, come and fill us afresh. Come and embolden us for this time. You've made us for such a time as this. Thank you, Lord. Amen. 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 Uh, that brings us to the end uh, of our service today. If you've got kids in the kids' work, please go and get them. Um, or you may need to go and lie down in the darkened room after listening uh, to some of that. But also, if you would like to receive prayer, if you're feeling sick, or there's something you'd like to be prayed for, then come and see the team over by the lovely prayer banner. Uh, but enjoy the rest of your week.